Just one sec, guys. Here's the espresso I made for you. Wow, Lee, so excited to try out your espresso. Who's that? What's up? What are you guys doing? I was just making a nice espresso. Would you like... No, Lee. You'll all have to try Death Wish coffee. Kurt, isn't that the world's strongest coffee? Fuck yes, it is. Oh, man. It tastes great. Just explosion of flavor in my mouth. When I try Death Wish coffee, it feels like Jesus Christ himself washing down my throat. But, Kurt, this is a lot of coffee. You must have spent a ton of money on it. And not just American dollars, but Canadian money. Fuck, no, I didn't. I used coupon code 3 Greeners and I got 10% off. You can too! <gasps> In a world of lame, nerdy podcasts, one, no three, and maybe sometimes more nerds, will rise to the challenge. We hold these studios accountable. We celebrate the amazing feats of cinema. We sometimes rage out. We are the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. I don't know why I sung that, but you know what? Happy Sunday with me, as always. Got Adam. How's it going, Adam? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. I mean, you could, but why would you? Why would you complain? <laughs> would I? It's good to be alive. <laughs> this is true. Yes. Uh, and also with us as always is Katie. How's it going, Katie? Um, lots of emotions are running through my head right now, but right now, feeling good. So, nice. that's my response. Feeling good. Feeling good. We're we're here. We made it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've just tried to like my best to like just save energy for the battle ahead and the battle being Biff. <laughs> um, yeah, the Vancouver International Film Festival starts next week, and uh, I think Adam, you, you and I know how crazy it gets th this time of the year. So. Yeah. It's a lot of movies all packed into a short amount of time. So mm -hmm. yeah, getting my whole calendar kind of figured out and trying to plan to show up early to some of these movies we may or may not get into. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it used to be a lot worse. Like I, um, watching, I, I, I don't know if it's always been like two, two weeks or one week, but like I, it's one week and it's all like, one week and you gotta like in some cases for well for for me at least like I've, I've got like 10 movies booked over like the one week and i'm like so help me lord i need the strength to hurt. what's ahead <laughs> that i need the strength or the energy drink either one uh, whichever, yeah, whichever, stay awake. whichever is cheaper um anyways yeah we're actually going to talk about the uh opening uh movie from Vancouver International Film Festival this week. So that's exciting. Isn't that fun? Um, yeah. Uh, let's just dive into things here. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, Spark. How's it going? What's up, gangsters? Uh, the gangsters are all right. We, uh, we're surviving on the streets. Let's... Um... Yeah, so we're, we're actually just... You came at the perfect time at Spark because we're just about to dive into the news. Um, 
Fantastic Four MCU reboot enlists up becoming writing duel Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer. Uh, don't know who any of these guys are. Don't know what they've worked on. <laughs> it's typical MCU fashion. Hire people who probably have never worked on anything else before and launch them into mild success, I suppose. Um, although Jeff Kaplan, it's funny because I, I know there's the guy that works on Overwatch. Um, and I was, at first I was like, wait, the guy that works on Overwatch is working on a movie? That's very strange. But I don't think it's the same person. At least I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, looks like he did Bird and Arnie's Guide to Friendship. Okay. Uh, Adam TV. And <laughs> Disaster Wedding. I haven't heard of any of these things. No. Uh, but maybe you guys have. Uh, I have not. And you know what? I The, the first time they hired some up-and-coming director, I was like, or writer, I was like, I don't know, this person doesn't, like, have much, and I'm like, eh. But then you watch these movies, and like, I don't know, for the most part, they work out pretty well. So, I'm like, you know what, this will be okay. But, yeah. Moving uh, along to Armor Wars, also uh, has some new writers, although they got the writers from uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which... I guess, for the most part, is a good thing. Uh, and then something called Solar Opposites, which I've never heard of before, but... Sounds good. So. Um, yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan was good, so I uh, I have some faith. Uh, oh, so Solar Opposites is a, about a family of aliens from a better world... They take refuge in Middle America and they disagree on whether Earth is awful or awesome. So. That actually sounds like a cool premise. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've never watched it, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's on Disney Plus still. Eh. So, a uh, little bit of like a comedy beat in there. Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously, uh, that, was, that was a decent enough show, so. Okay, uh, Captain America, New World Order, rumored to feature appearance from the sensational She-Hulk. Like, why are they calling her the sensational She-Hulk? Well, what are they going to do at the end of the show? Be like, she's sensational. But, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I like, she needs a lawyer or something. I guess. They have said they're going to have like a few Hulks in the new Captain America movie, which I find very strange because I'm like, isn't this a Captain America sequel? Why are they shoving like Hulks in this movie? But, eh. um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's... They have to like kind of redo everything, so I guess why not? shove people in there to be like wait this is gonna be good i guess also too it's like you're going from like that disney plus show with the sam wilson to like a movie and they're like how do we make this is a big old bombastic movie just shoving a bunch of hulks <laughs> on paper it just sounds like such a lazy thing but i'm sure they can make it work but yeah uh i like the character of she hulk i don't know if i 100 percent always like her show but I like the character, so 
I'm tentatively excited for this. Uh, speaking of sure. Disney Plus series, Moon Knight and Miss Marvel were both rumored to be getting second seasons on Disney Plus. So, that's, yeah. Moon Knight, that's interesting because I kind of could go either way on that. I kind of felt like they could have just kept it just a one season show, but no, obviously they're not going to. But no, they teased uh, the cab driver. What, what what was his name? Yeah, I forget. I don't remember the name, but the third personality. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. Yeah, John, yeah. I want to say he's like John Locke or something, but I could be wrong. Jacob Locke, Lockley. Oh yeah, I think that's what it was. Something like that, right? J- Jacob something. Yeah. Jacob Piper Smith. <laughs> um, yeah. And Miss Marvel, I mean, Miss Marvel started off a little slow, but I think it got pretty interesting near the end there. So, I mean, yeah, sure. But I guess they'll probably have to wait till after the the Marvels, the uh, Captain Marvel sequel, because I think right now, like, they've got that character tied up in that. So I can't imagine they're probably going to have a second season until after that movie comes out. But who knows? They can do anything nowadays. Uh, X-Men there was a rumor from Screen Rant this week about Marvel Studios reboot uh, rumored to be based on Joss Whedon and John Cassidy's Astonishing X-Men run and I have thoughts on this but before I rip this apart what does anyone else think was that a comic book series yeah yeah Oh, I had no idea Joss Whedon wrote a comic book. Yeah, he did. For better or worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a couple things wrong with this. One, I don't think Disney's going to want to like associate with Joss Whedon after his whole sexual misconduct uh, and all that other stuff like that. Like, I, I just, you know... Disney wouldn't even work with Gina Carano, and I'm not saying that was a bad call. That was actually the right call, but, like, yeah. Like, they're not going to work with these people, and I just don't see them working with Joss Whedon after everything that's happened with him. But then also, too, like, if you look at this X-Men story, like, it makes no sense in terms of, like, why you would make that a your story for your first ever X-Men story in the mcu like it takes place well into the like story of the x-men uh like professor x is dead it's instead um emma frost and cyclops leading the team like it's just very strange i don't see marvel being like oh here's your first mcu uh x-men and by the way we're basing the story off of this one where professor x is dead and it's emma frost and cyclops leading the team like it's just it doesn't make any sense. I feel like they would definitely want to include some of those more central characters like Professor X and Magneto and all that. But, yeah. So, in other words, I think this is just BS, but it did get around the internet quite a bit. Uh, people were like, oh my gosh, can't wait to see this. And I'm like, eh, you're probably not going to see it. It's probably not going to happen, but. Yep. especially after seeing like Professor X and Doctor Strange there, like I kind of took that to be almost like a teaser of like 
like this is a variant but like you know we're gonna be getting kind of like an mcu kind of professor x as well yeah it'd be kind of weird like just not to not to have him at all yeah plus that character is like so central to the whole like x-men story right like you know so like down the road if you want to do a story like that sure i doubt they would but you know that would be something you would do more down the road not for your first ever x-men movie all right uh we got our first trailer for the new hellraiser movie coming to hulu and uh it looks spoopy that's for sure. Anyone on uh, watch the trailer? No. Oh. It's basically more Hellraiser. But we've got a female Hellraiser this time. And she looks very spooky. So. Yeah. It's coming to Hulu very soon. Uh, Disney Plus here in Canada. So that's exciting. All right. Uh, there's a new Cloverfield film currently in development. Wounds director Babak Anbari, uh, the ritual writer Joe Barton and J.J. Abrams are producing. So, you know. Is that streaming or is it going to be a theater release? They didn't say, but I imagine they'll probably try to get it in theaters. Paramount doesn't seem like too exclusive to streaming. They seem to like they'll put it on Paramount Plus pretty quickly, but they they do try to give it a good theatrical run. So, do you think uh, you'd want to see a Cloverfield movie in theaters, or you're like, nah? Yeah, I liked the original Cloverfield. Obviously, it was a bit of a like it was the beginning of this kind of like is this real? Is it not? As part of the marketing, um, it was maybe the more successful version of that. A different time and uh 10 cloverfield lane i thought was solid uh john goodman was uh he's good he's uh, we all we all know that he's talented but he was like shockingly good in that i just i never really pictured him as a a, a good villain in, in boy oh boy so yeah. even though uh i don't know the plot of this looking at the two efforts they've made i'll definitely be interested in seeing it yeah I think I've been a little burnt on Cloverfield movies. Um, the last one that came out was just mm. awful. And I remember they were like, it was, it's coming to Netflix, get excited. And then I went and watched it and I'm like, keep it. I don't want to put it back in the vault. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that one was in space. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that one. Okay. Two for three. Yeah. Which is not bad. All things considered. Um, I don't know if I want them to do the found footage style. I'd honestly be fine if they dropped that. Like, 10 Cloverfield Lane dropped that. So did the third one, Cloverfield Paradox. So, if they dropped it, I'd be fine with that. Um, but, yeah. I I am a little curious about this because it's sort of like... They, they always kind of, like, paint these movies like they tie into each other. Like, I think the Cloverfield Paradox at the end set itself up to be, like, a prequel for the original Cloverfield, stuff like that. So, you know, there's a little bit of a universe they're setting up here. Cool. Uh, WB refused to let Snyder use his classic uh, Superman theme song, the John Williams score for 
any of his projects, which is just very sad. Um, but also, too, I don't know, maybe they thought he would, like, remix or do something with it. But, yeah. Uh, I kind of... Oh, this, I don't know. I, I never thought he had the intention of even using it, to be honest. Or, I mean, I know like Hans Zimmer did that really nice like uh, piano theme for him for Superman. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure they used the John's William, the John Williams one though in the uh, in the Justice League, like the one that Joss Whedon did. Oh, um, I could be wrong because I remember they used like the old uh, Batman theme in that too. They were mm -hmm. using some other kind of classic music. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, because I, I don't know, I thought I thought Snyder's whole thing was to kind of reinvent Superman, like like away from the whole uh, Christopher Reeve kind of, kind mm -hmm. of uh, you know, in, version of that character. Yeah. What? Yeah. I, but, just... I don't know. It just seems like you know, uh, I was fine with uh, the music in the Batman, Superman movies that they've done recently. Like, it wasn't like terrible music, so I'm like, I'm fine. Plus, like, I don't know. I don't know if I really want like people using that music necessarily because it's like I don't know. It's just so indicative of that movie and everything. Like, I I don't know if I agree with some people who would say it's like more closely associated with the character because you're doing different takes on the character so I, I don't look at Henry Cavill Superman and think oh yeah you should put John Williams score over top of this guy like he's doing his own Superman thing let him have his own music yeah yeah I know exactly yeah and I think I think Hans Zimmer did a great soundtrack for those movies oh I just found this breaking news and it's hilarious uh, ben Shapiro reviewed Disney's uh, uh, She-Hulk and uh, he claims that Disney is trying to indoctrinate kids into an LGBTQ agenda with woke garbage and then he finally ends by saying that Christopher Reeve's Superman movies were better than She-Hulk which I would partially agree with the Christopher Reeve's Superman movies being better uh, except for after the second one. So, after that, Ben Shapiro, you're fucking wrong. I'm sorry. There's no way Superman 3 is better than She-Hulk. You're, you're just fucking wrong. Very hot take. <laughs> ben Shapiro out there just like, how can I just piss off so many people all at once? I think that's what that guy's goal in in life. But... Just get those hate clicks. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> How can I anger an entire group of fans? But, uh, yeah. I just want, like, someone to give me a feed of Ben Shapiro watching She-Hulk exactly at the moment when she starts twerking. And I want to see his reaction to that. I think that would be great. <laughs> great internet content right there. Alright. Uh, Bond producers say that James Bond is a 10-12 year commitment. Uh, they're currently looking for a new actor, but they were saying, yeah, some actors just don't want to settle down for 10, 12 years, which to watch, I say, hey, if you're getting a steady paycheck for 12 years, why not? But, well, I get it. I mean, I've, I've heard, all of us have heard, like, so-and-so could have done blah, 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 but they were under contract for something else. Like, you, 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 you miss out sometimes on opportunities you really want. 
So, yeah, like, I mean, obviously playing Bond is dope, but I'd also love to do that other thing that I potentially could get asked to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, that's why they kind of go for someone who's a little younger, because, like, if you get someone in, like, their early 30s or something, then they've got plenty of time to do that, and then, you know, in their 40s and 50s, they can kind of go do, like, stuff that's more, you know, do some other stuff. Like, you look at um, Daniel Craig, like, he's done, now he's just going to making those uh, uh, movies with Ryan Johnson there, Glass Onion, whatever they're called, so... Yeah. I, I could see uh, maybe someone worried about getting typecast, though, especially if they're going to go with, like, a brand-new actor. Yeah. Maybe, like, all they're doing is Bond for 10 years, and that's kind of, like, all that people are going to know them from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it is a lot of money, though, so it's kind of, like, whatever kind of compromise the actor's willing to make. It pounces out, I guess. Yeah. Cool. And then finally, Netflix has confirmed that the third season of The Witcher will arrive in twenty or summer twenty twenty three. So there you go, get more Witcher. Witcher. Yeah, that's exciting. I guess I don't know. Season two was okay. I think it was better than the first. So they just keep improving. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, that'd be good. Not not the best show, but not a bad show. Yeah, no. Totally agree. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and review a few things. Back in a bit. Hey, everybody. It's Curtis from the podcast. Letting you know that we're brought to you by Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime's got amazing content, such as The Boys, The Expanse, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Goliath, and so much more. Don't have to take our word for it. Go try out a 30-day trial of the service. See if you like it. If you'll want to stick around, they've got low introductory rates for new users who sign up. And you're going to get a ton of other Amazon Prime benefits. So sign up today and check it out. Thank you for your time. All right, we're back. Uh, Go check out our commentary for Dead Heat. Very underappreciated movie. Very funny. I know, Adam, you were like, what is this movie? What is it about? And then you were like, this movie's all right. Yeah, I had no idea what I was getting into, but I loved it. Really fun movie. <laughs> yeah. So go check out our commentary for that. Um, I can't remember what the next one is, but there'll be another one. Okay. Uh, let's talk about some movies for review. Let's talk about Don't Worry, Darling. Uh but you know what? I worry quite a bit when you've got this movie. Ay, ay, this movie. <sighs> Did anyone else get a chance to watch Don't Worry, Darling? Because I feel like I'm just going to be brutal with this movie. And I want someone to be possibly more optimistic and positive about this movie than I will be. Yeah, I saw it. What did you think of the movie? Uh, well, I saw it with um, my fiance and a, and a friend of hers, friend of ours, and uh, they did not enjoy it. Uh, I liked it more than they did. Um, I would say that it's too long for sure, um, um, which is something I worried about when I saw the runtime, two plus hours, and like, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, they took 
too long to get to the point. Um, there's, I don't, I don't know the timing, I, but I, it feels like there's 45 minutes of kind of like setting up the world, which like, we get it. Um, I will say I personally thought like, obviously, whenever, maybe not obviously, some people are skeptical when musicians or athletes or like people that are popular in other places try and cross over into acting. Um, I thought that Harry Styles did a good job. Uh, I, on online on Twitter, I saw people fighting about that. Florence obviously brought it. No one was surprised about that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to say too much, but I'll, I'll let you kind of get in there. But I have I have more on the uh, second wind. Yeah, um, I didn't know too much about this movie. I don't know if there was like spoilers out or anything, but I was like, nah, I don't know anything. So went in totally blind. Uh, I would say like the first 30 minutes of this movie are relatively interesting enough. Uh, I was like kind of like getting into the world and just like, I don't know. Uh, also, this movie is very horny. Um, yes. Very. Like, like hormones are running in this movie. Um, and I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, kind of on board for this like i don't know what you're doing with all this but okay sure like you got a horny movie with harry styles and florence Pugh. i can i can definitely uh be on board for this and i think like the opening scene of this movie was actually like really good um i don't know i just i was very like drawn in like within like the first like i say like the first act of this movie and then it just starts derailing itself and the movie was not making much sense in a lot of ca uh, cases there were some weird choices in the plot department and it's kind of tough to talk about because i don't want to spoil things for people but the plot just got into some points where i was just like really like this is what you're doing that okay that's a choice um it just kept getting worse and worse and i noticed that like there was some bad editing decisions and like some of the performances started to fall a little bit flat i will say florence Pugh did kind of she was the one constant among this where i did feel like she was keeping it well like she was keeping things interesting well throughout the movie and i think she was probably the main draw for me um yeah and then like i don't know chris pine I guess it's not really a spoiler to say he's the villain of this, but, like, I don't know. I didn't quite like him as a villain. Like, I thought it was interesting that they took this actor that normally plays, like, heroic Rose and gave him, like, a villain role, but I was like, <sighs> um, Yeah, it's just, I don't know. This movie, just as it kept going on, it just kept getting more and more convoluted and bloated and... There wasn't very much in the way of a payoff for it that made me say, yeah, this is why you have to stick around and watch this two hour long movie. This is what makes it worth it. Like there was just, there wasn't that moment for me. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, I understand that not every movie is going to kind of have the payoff for you that you expect it to. But I think in a general sense, most movies should try to at least you know, entertain people and try to, like, keep people interested. And, like, I don't think this really did that. It was just a very bloated, long movie with very little in the way of a payoff. 
um, I do wonder like how much of the behind the scenes drama of this all impacted the quality of the movie. Like, obviously it's really hard to like get a, a, a like sort of a, a sense on that right now. Like there's so much reports of like on set drama and fighting and all that stuff. And like, even just watching this movie, I kind of got the vibe that like, yeah, like this is a movie of like really creative people, but I don't think they really gelled in this movie. And I think it kind of shows for me at least, in the finished product so yeah i don't know if you have any more thoughts spark um i agree with you on the chris pine thing i mean chris pine obviously is used to playing kind of the harry styers role but we all get older uh so he's kind of transitioned into the secondary spot uh i thought he did fine but i don't want to say it was a miscast right because you want to give people an opportunity to grow and like showcase more um i just it was weird for him. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't love the villain. Um, and the twists and turns. I think, I wish they would have introduced earlier, like, without kind of spoiling anything. Like, are, like th- there's this argument of, are women better off now than they were before? Like, is mm-hmm. uh, was before when they were kind of relegated to home, was that... Uh, better than the situation they, they have now. That's an argument that's made. Uh, I won't say how. And I think that's, like, that might have been an interesting through line if, if they had kind of, instead of just shoving it in at the end, had that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they do that? Well, I didn't think too much about it. I'm also not the director or producer or writer. Uh, but, yeah, they, they shoved a lot in at the end that if they had given us hints to instead of nothing whatsoever <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of right at the end there i i think you could have had something so i i'd say cut 20 minutes and and have some foreshadowing in the first act mm-hmm. but i also was very interested in how horny i was i did not expect that <laughs> at all uh it, it seemed it seemed wildly out of place <laughs> for what i thought the movie was gonna be yeah 100 percent. Yeah, not complaining <laughs> I'm not complaining either, right? I was like, okay, I like this. Like, hold on. Yeah. What do we got here? Especially there's there's a moment where like someone appears and kind of becomes a part of something for a bit. And I'm like, wait, do I like their life? <laughs> Am I discovering something? Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, that's all I have to say. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I know there's some people who are, kind of like latched onto this movie and have seen it multiple times and are really like enjoying the the story as you kind of watch it multiple times so i do think like there is going to be a small and i do think it will be small like a small sect of people who would really enjoy this and kind of enjoy that whole re-watching movie and noticing things i still think like at a base level it's still just so convoluted it's not quite worth the price of admission to rewatch this movie like three, four times just to understand it. But I don't know. I mean, each his own to a degree, but yeah, for me, it was just way too convoluted. And after the first act, it started to get way too bloated, way too convoluted. And just by the end of it, I was just like, I don't know if any of this was really worth it, to be honest. Like, I, I think the one thing that I will say 100% is a positive is like the production design. Like, the costumes and the yes. sets and all that, oh, like, yes. just, like, they nailed that. I will say that, like, 100% without a doubt, like, 
the <laughs> at least they didn't fuck this up is yes that um so yeah um yeah i'm gonna be a little mean on this and give this a four out of ten i'm sorry but i just this movie's a huge mess and i i do wonder if maybe there's like a new a different cut of this movie like a director's cut i don't know if this would be considered the director's cut but i don't know like i would i do wonder if like there's gonna be like news that comes out about why this movie is the mess that it is like is it because of all the on-screen or on-set fighting and all this, or is it just maybe it is that Olivia Wilde just maybe got a little too much credit after Booksmart, and everyone just thought, oh, she's she's great, just let her do what she wants, and then we find out like, no, nah, maybe she needs a little bit of oversight. I don't know. Um, I thought you were gonna go lower than four from what you were saying, um, but yeah, I'll I'll go probably like five two five, yeah. five five. I I do think this movie is i don't think it's a disaster i think it's in a decent edit away from being solid i don't think it was ever going to be great but it's a decent edit away from being a solid movie yeah and i think what makes it a four for me is like yeah the production design uh florence pugh's performance like those kind of saved it for me um and i do see there's like at least hints of a good movie in there but yeah i totally agree with you i think it's just like just needs to be edited and just like better kind of placed and everything. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's in theaters. Uh, all right. Uh, next up is dead for a dollar. Uh, this is a new Western movie and uh, it's from, uh, I'm trying to remember the director's name cause he's kind of like a well-known director um oh it's uh walter hill who some people might remember from uh such movies as uh taxi driver and uh 48 hours he's kind of like a very uh famous um hollywood writer and director and um yeah dead for a dollar uh ensembles this very impressive cast including christoph waltz Willem dafoe Rachel Brosnahan, uh, Benjamin Bratt. Like, there's a very impressive cast in this. Um, and then it kind of... They kind of put it all into this Western, and uh, it's mostly a good movie. I, uh, some people have said that, like, the coloring of this movie or how they, like, saturate the colors. I'm not really, like technically uh capable to kind of like describe it but like i don't know it's just very uh the colors are off in this movie like things are very bland color wise like it's almost like everything kind of got washed out uh it just doesn't look good like it's just a very eh look to this movie uh and it was a very de- very just kind of like why does this movie just look like this it's it was just not very good um, but the movie itself, plot, characters, was interesting enough. Um, I did really enjoy that uh, it was actually very lively for a Western. Like, it kept a very good pace throughout. Um, and yeah, it was uh, really quite interesting. Um, the performances are all pretty great. Although I do think that some people might get a little distracted seeing Christoph Waltz in this. Because it did kind of remind me a, a little bit of uh, Django Unchained. And, uh, I guess in my mind I was like, uh, okay, 
great that you're, um, you know, able to, uh, you know, show up in this, but, uh, yeah, just thought it was a little, a little distracting, uh, seeing him in there. Um, yeah, mostly a good movie though. Uh, I would definitely check this one out. Although I think it maybe lacked a little bit of, uh, oomph and depth. Like it just kind of felt like it could have gone a little bit deeper with some of the themes or plot ideas. Uh, so I'll give it like a seven out of 10. It, it, it was good, but could have been a little bit better. All right. And then finally, um, Adam, you and I saw Bones for Crows, which is the opening night movie for Vancouver International Film Festival. And, uh, yeah. How are you doing with the onset of depression you faced after watching this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's a very powerful film, um, detailing a lot of the very dark history, um, the dark parts of Canadian history to do with uh, the residential schools and kind of the forced uh, re-education and uh, kind of a cultural genocide, as it's been referred to as well, of, of Indigenous people. Um, so there's some um, pretty scenes that are pretty hard to watch in this. Um, definitely makes me feel very, like, ashamed and regretful and of of my own culture and my country's history. You know, it's it's kind of a... It's yeah, it's not something I'm proud of as a Canadian. Um, but um, I think it's very important for movies like this to exist because it's it's one thing to you know kind of read about the events in in a textbook like in school, and and it's another thing to kind of uh, really see it like you know kind of in action and and you can empathize it with the way that's that's different. Um, yeah. I uh, I mean, a very well done made movie, but yeah, it isn't. It's gonna, it's a very heavy movie. Um, mm -hmm. but I really like the um, it had kind of multi generational kind of a narrative style that it would um, mainly following one woman, um, as well as some of her siblings and and children later, but kind of throughout her life from her time in school and then she joined the army when she finally escaped and. And she was eventually a single mom. Um, and it's all based on uh, true events, too, which it just makes it all the more um, sort of um, inspiring. And mm -hmm. quite a lot uh, this woman has had to overcome. And Yeah, really, um, but a really important film, and especially for, for, for Canadians. And um, yeah, I think it's a good one that they're showcasing at, at the beginning of their festival. Yeah, I don't know if it, this is indicative of the rest of the festival, but they didn't have like the thirty-minute-long intro like they had last year. So yeah, I, I'm like, hmm, maybe they won't show that again this year. Yeah. Um, not like it was it wasn't a very powerful intro, but when you've seen that same intro ten times, your mind just starts to go a little insane. So just, just, just that. Um. <laughs> But about this movie, um, yeah, it's a very tough movie to watch because it deals with uh, abuse uh, of many different varieties. And what I thought was interesting, too, was like 
in a way the movie plays with this idea of who you think are the villains in this because like there's one uh, person or character that like you you think is a good person and then later on in the movie they reveal like oh no he's not and I thought that was like really interesting how like you know you kind of think some people are okay but like how real life goes sometimes you think people are decent people and they reveal themselves later to not be so I thought that was uh, well done and how they handled that. Um, in terms of uh, the movie itself, the message is very powerful. And I think one of the most powerful ones I've seen in a movie in recent memory where you could tell somebody made this movie knowing exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to tell this story of uh, the residential school system in uh, Canada and the abuse and not only just the abuse but like the flat out genocide of, of kids and uh, people like it's just it's it's a lot it's heavy and it's not easy to watch um, but I think it's a very important message like Adam kind of said there earlier it's one that you you watch and you go yeah we this is something that everyone should be watching uh, and getting that message across I will say, though, the movie did get dragged down for me with a, a few editing decisions. Um, there was a few, like, cuts and stuff like that that were a little rough and not quite as, I would say, uh, I guess I would say, like, uh, fully formed as they could be. Like, I just thought that as, you know, whoever was editing this movie just... There were a few things that just kind of felt a little bit underdeveloped. And, like, same goes for some of the audio mixing. Like, there were some characters that had uh, higher volume levels than others. And it just kind of felt a little rough around the edges at times. I don't think it takes away from the message that much. Like, it's not a huge complaint. But it's just more that, like, I it, for how strong this message is, I thought the uh, work being done to help portray that could have been a little bit stronger. Um, but I would still give this an 8 out of 10. I mean, it is still a fantastic movie, uh, and it's a tough one to watch, but I think it really does get the message across. So definitely would recommend people uh, watch this. If It's not an easy watch, but I think it's an important one. That's the best way to describe it. Well, definitely. I'll probably I'll, I'll give it an 8 out of 10 as well. There was a few little uh, technical issues, as you said. Um, yeah, but overall, the uh, overall the film, the message of the movie, like just it it rings through. Yeah, and the thing about this is, like, you know, if you're strong at like delivering your message, everything else eventually will come into place. Like, I'm sure this director's next movie will be a little bit more, you know, ironed out and whatnot. Uh, so. Like, it's actually not a bad way to be. Like, I think this is the director's, like, fourth ever movie. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's take one last quick break, and then we're going to uh, recap She-Hulk, uh, House of Dragons, and Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Okay. Back in a bit.
And we're back. Okay. Uh, oh, and we also have our movie club this week. This is 40. Okay. Uh, let's talk about She-Hulk uh, in an episode that has divided fans <laughs> quite a bit. Because uh, I guess we should talk about the elephant in the room. Everyone's just like, where's Daredevil? When are we going to see Daredevil? And instead, they're like, it's a wedding episode. And they even address that people usually don't like wedding episodes but yeah anybody else uh watch this episode yeah yeah i did what did what did you all think um i'm beginning to think they have like they just keep repeating the same messages over and over like mm. it's sort of getting a little repetitive now even though it's like, and something new is happening, but it's also feeling repetitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know. I, a little bit, yeah. I do feel like the show is kind of, like, treading water and not really doing much. Like, there's that big thing at the end of the one, uh, that one episode where they were... He, she was attacked by those people and we were like, oh my gosh, who's the big bad going to be? And then they're like, ah, we don't, we're not going to fucking answer that. <laughs> we're just going to have little weird one-off episodes doing their own story. Like, It's weird that the show seems mildly interested in developing an overarching story for the season, but at the same time, it doesn't. Like, it almost has a weird disdain for it at the same time, too. And I don't, I'm like, what do you want, want what do you want to do with this show? Like, do you want to tell this, uh, you know, Marvel-esque story where you reveal things throughout and keep things interesting? Or are you just more interested in telling a lawyer procedural show that just so happens to have a Hulk as the main character? Like, this show definitely has, like, a huge identity crisis, it feels like. Because they keep emphasizing that they're a lawyer show just, who just happens to have a shield in it. But, like, they keep hinting at this big villain that's trying to, I don't know, who has their blood sample and stuff. Yeah. And they're not going anywhere with it. They just keep hinting at it and showing clips and then going back to whatever it is that the She-Hulk is doing. And I feel like the shows are, uh, they've done it before where they kind of tease the stuff and then they keep the reveal for way later on. And I feel like they're doing that again. Um, we got that a little bit at the end of the um, other shows. Like, you know, we were like wondering, oh, who's going to be the big bad in Hawkeye? And it was this big story that, that ended up being uh, Kingpin. And sure, there was like an interesting enough payoff, but it took way too long. And I feel like this is kind of repeating that same mistake of like, I'm sure whoever this villain is, well, hopefully it's a good payoff for that. It better be because otherwise, if that's what they're building up to and they reveal it and it ends up being like, I don't know, that guy that's been creeping on her, you know, the whole time, which I have a theory that that guy is actually a part of the group that attacked her. I have a, I have a weird theory about that, but that's. I also think he feels weird. I don't know. Like. He feels suspicious. Like he, um, he, like she got attacked and he also mentioned something about like, Oh, your skin's impenetrable. And she's like, yeah, only vibranium can penetrate my skin. So I'd be interested to see if the wrecking crew shows up again and uses like 
vibranium to try to penetrate her skin. Like, I, I feel like they're slowly trying to connect that, like, that guy is part of the Wrecking Crew. I don't know. Maybe maybe it, it, it's not going that way. But that I that creepy dude who's like, I'm really into Hulk girl or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, something's up with that guy. Spark, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, um, similar. I, I, it does feel like they are like this is a lawyer show that's like begrudgingly a part of the MCU. Uh, like they've, <laughs> I don't know. They just refuse to <laughs> like make uh, like, but it's not character development either, right? Like the wedding episode is like uh, she's trying to get with this guy, but like we don't learn anything about her, like. She she doesn't have enough confidence in herself, and She Hulk is strong. Like there was the only interesting thing about this episode was the her like assistant or paralegal. I don't, I don't know what the what the phrase is mm-hmm. of kind of stepping up and like knocking it out the park. Like that was interesting, right? Like we're yeah. we're learning more about them. We're learning more about the other lawyer mm-hmm. that she. Um, so <laughs> like great. Thank you for that, but that was five minutes. Man, gosh, it just—it feels on purpose, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It feels like this show is like an experiment, and like, what can we get them to uh, deal with? Um, and I don't know. I am confused by their plan. Yeah, um, I understand that. Like, people try to give these Marvel shows, like, their own identity, like, that makes sense to a large degree. Um, at the same time, too, it's like, it does kind of feel like Marvel needs to sort of, I don't know, kind of have a more consistent identity amongst its shows. Like, if you want to have a ongoing mystery and, like, commit to that and make that interesting, sure. But... It, like you say, they begrud- begrudgingly just seem to not want to do that. And it's like, uh, uh, like uh, the whole thing is just messy. So. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on this episode? I guess there was like the, the kind of the thing at the end where we find out there's like a Peppy the Frog-esque website or whatever where, you know, people are just being uh, misogynistic assholes. So I guess they're going, they're going somewhere with that. I feel like they're going to connect that to whoever tried to get her blood. Probably. Katie, what are you thinking for a score? I think I'm going for like a, a six. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Spark? Um, four. Um, like it's it's not like written poorly or shot poorly. Like it's just not engaging. Mm-hmm. So and like you know, not, yeah, I don't know and. What's crazy is uh, just like uh, last week, because you guys were talking about this, they were like, at the end of that, when they're like, should we tell her? I was like, oh, who cares? Yeah. Uh, like, 
by it's there's there's four episodes left and we still don't have any concrete movement on this no no real threat has been established except for i guess that needle that we saw um it's a it's a it's a bad sign when i'm like oh i don't care who the big, big bad is at this point yeah i i have a feeling it's going to be very underwhelming it's going to either be abomination which because like he showed up and then he's just kind of disappeared for a long ass time uh and if they kind of drag him back into the show and they're like oh he was the villain this whole time i'm gonna be like are you fucking kidding me but uh also too like I've seen some people say it might be the leader. That would at least be a little more interesting just because we haven't seen that character in a long-ass time. So, And we know that he's going to be the villain of the new Captain America movie. So I guess that, that would be probably best-case scenario. But even then, I'm like, I don't know if I'm necessarily very happy about that either. So, Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Score-wise, I'm giving this... A six out of ten. I don't know. Just, I think there. It's still competently made. It's just there's a lot of weird, really weird choices in this that kind of keep it from, from being decent. So, what's anyone else thinking for a score? Katie, did you give your score? Yeah, we gave our scores. Oh, she said six. I said four. Okay, kind of my audio kind of cut out there, but okay, perfect. Okay, well, let's uh, talk about House of the Dragon. Adam, did you watch the most recent episode? Uh, this was the wedding one, right? Yes, a lot of wedding episodes yeah, so... this week. What's up with that? It's yeah, <laughs> odd coincidence. Yeah. Um, yeah, very good episode. Very depressing. <laughs> They're like, "Hey, so uh, you know, we know that you're uh, potentially you're 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 more interested in this guy than the girl that we're forcing you to marry." But uh, yeah, ends up the you know ends up he doesn't even have uh that that guy at the end. It was just very sad. I felt really bad for that yeah. guy. Yeah, like. Uh-huh. Yeah, I still like don't really understand how that even happened at the end there. Mm-hmm. Like there was, it looked like because uh, like Damon was like dancing with Renera, mm-hmm. um, and she was kind of egging him on, and then it's like some big commotion starts, and out of nowhere, yeah, the the night guy is like fighting the um, um, I guess well, I guess the boyfriend of the guy that Renera is gonna marry, and it was like, how did that even happen? But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's kind of sad. But um, yeah, because they kind of worked it out. It's like, look, you know, we don't really like like each other, but we have to get married, you know. So why don't we, you know, we can kind of see whoever we want to see, kind of thing. Yeah. And then they both kind of lost their their uh, their secret lovers. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, well, she almost did. I guess the night was just about to take his life there but then uh a queen stepped in to stop him yeah kind of yeah. like feel bad for everyone on the show except for um the king because i don't know i don't know why i just don't really feel that sorry for him but 
He's a good king. He's trying to keep it together. It just seems like any time this guy episode. like, any time this guy tries to like, do something nice for people, it fucking goes wrong in hilarious yeah, fashion. I know. Like, big tournament fail, big hunt fail, big wedding fail. Like, the guy should just avoid organizing anything. He's just awful at it. Just terrible. So he just wants he just wants people to be happy and just, just something just to go as planned for once and yeah exactly <laughs> everything just he's like, poor guy he's like I just want things to not go terribly for once in my life um yeah um yeah I don't know uh mostly a good episode uh I think the um the whole wedding part of it really made it interesting, I guess. Kind of was like their play on like the red wedding where I, I kind of got the sense that like I had a feeling something was going to go go down and go wrong, but it never really did. Yeah. Well, at least not to the scale of the red wedding because that yeah. was like, that was like, oh my mother of God, like that just, <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, this one, I don't know. It was, it was, I still don't really understand, like, what even happened, though, or, like, why he just, why the knight even just started attacking him, or, like, yeah. so, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm wondering if they're going to, like, maybe show, like, like, another side of what happened in the next episode, or if it's just, if they're just going to kind of let it be, and, yeah. But, um, They've been doing a lot of uh, fast forwards, and this one's Yeah. I will say this though, like, uh I've been also watching the um the uh, Lord of the Rings series and like something I really like about this show is it keeps a really good pace throughout. Like that's something that is in this movie's favor, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like this show, even though like I feel like we're all kind of building up to something we all know is going to happen, which is that uh, well, actually, if you read the books, you know. I don't, maybe I shouldn't spoil it for those who haven't. But uh, yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Although, yeah, I wonder how close they're going to be to the books. Um, but yeah. Uh, any other guess, thoughts on this episode? I guess. Well, I will say I really enjoyed the acting of um, the two young actresses. As a, uh, forget the queen's name right now, but Reneras and um, uh, what's her name? I don't know, <laughs> the young queen. But uh, yeah, because I guess they're going to replace them now with their. They're going to age up with some older actors, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I do wonder. Um, yeah, like they're basically going to be aging these people up, which I think will help with the 
whole Damon storyline. Because I think right now, like, you're like, that's like a teenage girl, basically. That's a little messed up, Damon. And it's your niece, amongst many other issues with that whole thing. But Yeah, that was kind of a very awkward scene. <laughs> yeah. What's everyone thinking for uh, for a score? You know, I'll go, I'll go eight and a half. Okay. What about you, Spark? Say something. Maybe seven and a half. They didn't do anything wrong. You know, just... Mm. Cool beans, you know. Like <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I did nothing wrong. I just was like, well, I'm not like super hyped about this. Yeah, I I give this episode like a seven. It didn't really feel as strong as some of the other episodes, but I mean, still was pretty good. I just kind of feel like they could have done a bit more to kind of make this episode a little more interesting. Kind of also felt too like a lot of these plot points felt inevitable. Like they like when the um, when the Rainier was on the beach with the guy that she was going to marry, and they're basically like, "Yeah, we're basically just doing this for the parents, but we're going to have our own relationships on the side." I'm like, "This feels way too easy, easily done for them to have this actually work." So yeah, that was I was a little like, "Hmm, interesting." Okay. Uh, and then finally, we've got Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power. Uh, Adam, did you watch the most recent episode? Uh, I did. Yes. What'd you think? Um, I don't know. Yeah, kind of as you were saying earlier, I I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed Game of Thrones. Um, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I don't know. I just think I'm not. I'm not as like really invested with some of the characters. Yeah. Um. Seems like stuff's kind of like taking a while. Like kind of just whatever the dwarves and the elves are going to do together, and it was kind of finally revealed. I guess like the elves' true intentions of kind of why they sent him there. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, yeah, they're getting this thing going with the the girl too. She's finally kind of got her army. She's sided with the the realm of men now, um, but I don't know. It just seems, it feels like some things are happening kind of slowly. Yeah, um, I guess the orcs are, are attacking that stand, uh, that one stand post or outpost. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a, it was an okay episode, but I don't know. There there were some weird things like the. Um, where he's like, the door is like making this big deal. It's like, oh, this table is like made from this sacred material that we only use for like our burials or whatever. And and then the guy's like, oh, sorry, okay, we'll send it back with you. And then and then he, and then it was just like, oh, that was just a joke. Like, I just need a new table. It's kind of like what? Like, <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of like it's weird. It's like a whole scene, and then it's just kind of a throwaway like gag in another scene. Yeah, and I'm kind of like, oh, that, I'm like, I don't know, just some things like that are a little odd. Mm -hmm. Kind of, it's like, what are we doing here, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it did uh, it does kind of feel like this uh, whole series just doesn't quite know what it wants to do yet and I think like it it's taking its time because in a way we're all kind of trying to um, you know see like where it all ends up and I think they're hoping that people are going to be interested for the journey not just the payoff but I think that it's quite, not quite working out in their favor so yeah yeah i would just like a clearer kind of picture of what it's all working towards you know like again it has to do with the rings and everything but like they haven't really introduced anything about the rings yet yeah so i'm kind of just like how, how are we getting there you know yeah yeah so yeah it just feels like we're not quite where the show's at the point where it's keeping me enthralled it's still doing the build-up and we're now like five episodes in i don't know how many episodes the season has but i'm gonna say probably around eight or ten like i'm gonna say we're probably around halfway through the season and it still feels like we're not quite where the show needs to be i will say this episode was a little bit better just because i did kind of feel like the stranger's story got developed a little bit more and i did like that um yeah I'm like maybe he's Sauron because he had that little he had that black hand and I'm like okay and we haven't really seen too much of Sauron so I have my my running theory is that the stranger is Sauron but there's gonna be some kind of twist that turns him into Sauron I don't know what it is but that's just my theory I've seen theories people are saying like maybe he's Gandalf too and I'm like no I don't think so yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. He's got like some kind of magic powers, I think, or I don't. Yeah, he's. I don't know. What he could be Sauron. Yeah. Maybe Sauron like takes him over or something. Yeah. So I'll be kind of curious. Uh, yeah. What 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 uh, they end up doing with this? But yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd give this episode a 6 out of 10. It's still underwhelming for me. Um, which is unfortunate. I, like, I want this show to do well, but it's just a little too slow for me. Yeah. I'll go I'll go a 7, a little higher, but yeah, it, 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 I, I am finding it a little slow. And uh, yeah, I kind of hope they... I don't know, I hope it all kind of comes together soon to kind of... Show like what like what is this whole show gonna be? You know, still don't yeah. really know. Yeah. Well, that's just it, right? Like, if it's about these rings of power, like I don't know, you could do a relatively easy story and just be like, "Yep, here's these titular rings of power." But, um, yeah, yeah, we haven't quite gotten there yet. So, cool. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about our movie club this week, which is, this is 40. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Did anybody, uh, no, uh, sorry? No, I'm ready. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's talk about this. Uh, Spark, you chose this movie. Um, awesome pick. Cause this, I think this movie is very underrated. I'd say. Yeah, it, um, <laughs> sorry about that. It, uh, when it came out 10 years ago, I was 25. 
uh, it was in a very different place than I am now. So it was weird watching it and relating a bit more. I don't have kids, um, thankfully, but um, I would say that it's still, I thought it was a bit long when I first saw it. I still think that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the movie probably should have ended uh, at the birthday party or shortly thereafter. Yeah. Um, of course, you'd have to handle the birthday party differently, but I, I think you handle it differently, and then maybe there's one scene after, and uh, we're done. But, uh, you know, Paul, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann have good chemistry. Who doesn't with Paul Rudd, to be honest? Yeah. And uh, the kids are good. Like, I, I don't remember the kids too well, but they're very good in this movie. Um, so good on them for, you know, sometimes nepotism benefits everyone. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I won't say anything else mm -hmm. to yet. Okay. Yeah, I definitely uh, enjoy this movie quite a bit. It's uh, it's nice too because like uh, obviously this movie uses the characters from Knocked Up, but like in equal measure, I feel like you don't need to have seen Knocked Up to watch this movie. It still works pretty well without it, which I think is good. Um, I watched both of those movies just because I like watching like older. <laughs> Is that offensive to you guys? Older. I'm triggered. Not kidding. Um, but yeah, I I liked it. I think I don't know. I know this character from. Um, Whatever movie I see her in. I don't know why I keep thinking of Pitch Perfect. Was she in Pitch Perfect? I don't know. Actress, Leslie? Yeah. She's been in a lot of these comedies. I mean, she was in Knocked Up, I don't know if she was in Pitch Perfect. Amy Smart, I mean, not Amy Smart. Elizabeth Banks was in Pitch Perfect. You might like to think about that. Oh, she was in, um, let's see, she was in 17 again, and other things. Okay. Yeah, so that's where I know her from. Obviously, Paul Rudd is, the, I, don't, I don't know what he mostly played before he became Ant-Man. Um, this is where I feel really old right now. <laughs> what did he play before? Thank you so much. <laughs> Making you feel old one sentence at a time. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Continue on, sorry. Yeah, but I, I liked their dynamic a lot. I think it was, it's a very nice just movie to watch just any time mm -hmm. um it's quite it, it's like i don't know if it's funny because she like she's freaking out about it a little bit but yeah, yeah. i liked it cool fun little watch yeah I just think this movie is really 
it's funny, but in a way where you're like, this is very realistic. Um, a great little, I, I don't know if you would say cameo from Melissa McCarthy, because she does have two scenes, but, like, great little small part by her. Like, where she's, like, the, the, the mom, who's just, like, being way too much. Pretty much a Karen. I think, like, they don't call her a Karen, but she's pretty much a Karen. But, yeah. She's protecting her kid. Like, I don't, like, you know, obviously this is a comedy. Well, it's more of a, of a dramedy than a comedy. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's that was Melissa before she hit, right? Like, that's kind of the stuff that she was given, and she worked it. So funny. Um, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. This, like, this has its its flaws, and I certainly am like, this is not my favorite Jet movie or, or even close, but uh, I think it's better than Funny People. And, you know, yes. as as far as a serious quote-unquote take goes, I, I think this is his, his best work. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I enjoyed traveling back to that time. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, uh, what's everyone thinking for a score? Six point five. Okay. Six point seven five. Yeah, six point seven five. Nice. Let's okay. Seven, Solid little seven five plus or minus point two five. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, I'll give it I'll give it a seven. I, I think the movie doesn't like leave me with the big impression that knocked up or some of the other Jet Apato movies do, but still very good. So I think like probably a bit more of a deeper cut for Apatow's uh filmography, but Still well worth uh, checking out. Okay. Uh, well, next week, our movie club is going to be Freaky, starring Vince Vaughn. And uh, what's her, what was her name? Uh, Catherine Newton. That's it. So we'll, we'll talk about that next week. All right. Until next time, everybody. Bye for now.